Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You show. Um, we, we are proof we're living in a digital age here because right before we went on air, the computer went down, the microphone went down, and everything, and I'm scrambling. And so if you hear little clicks and dings and beeps in the background, I'm hosting this show from my cell phone. <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. If, if for any reason this show doesn't go as planned, we will reschedule and we'll call back in and all that good stuff and, and get the show going, working right. But um, hopefully everybody can hear us. I'm um, getting some texts that you can, so thank you for that, and uh, we're good to go. So we have, get this, this is going to be a really cool show. We have everything leadership and leader development about to happen here. We have Coach, I love this, <laughs> I love how your name's spelled. It's like, how do you say that? It's Jamie Beckler, everybody. So you say his name, Jamie Beckler. And Jamie, before we go, do you want to tell the story of your name? Because that was so cute when you were telling me about it. And welcome to the show. Hello, hello. <laughs> Hello, Elizabeth. Great to be here. Yeah, uh, my dad and mom decided on uh, Jamie as the name, but they never actually talked about how to spell it. So uh, when uh, when I popped out and my dad must have went for a break or went for a Snickers bar at the vending machine or something, and the nurse uh, came up and asked, you know, how much or, or how, how do you want to name Jamie? He goes, uh, I don't know. I guess just name him Amy with a J. So that's that's how I became Jamie. And then uh, my last name looks like Betchler. Everybody pronounces it Belcher, but it's really Beckler. So uh, both of my names are are butchered all the time. That's all right. You know, I've got Garino, and it's all interesting there, too. So we talked about that. But uh, for anybody listening, I want to make sure, since a lot of people listen on their device or listen on their working computer, um, (laughs) we've got some websites to to direct you to. Um, The first one is Jamie's website. It's J-A-M-Y-B-E-C-H-L-E-R.com or theleadershipplaybook.com. And, you know, I get a lot of people that send me books to read and review and write about and be guests on the show and everything and I, I generally say I have a I, I have a lot of no's I guess I I should I should say yes all the time but unfortunately I I do process through them because I really want to put the best of the best out there and I love your book so it's the leadership playbook become your team's most valuable player and um, trying to de- to describe this book maybe you want to do that for us I guess because it's it's such a great book and I think what I loved about it was it had all these like real life story examples of famous people not so famous people you know all these sports and athletes and just like a as a mom of four boys who all played sports it's like a book I wish every parent and every student athlete would read I I love that's, it I that's... mean that's huge praise. I appreciate that, Elizabeth. Um, I, I just you know, love this book. So, yeah, you take away. Take away. I'll be quiet and <laughs> go well, for it. Well, I, I go out 
I, I, uh, I was a college basketball coach for 20 years. And one of the, one of the things we emphasized was leadership training, character, uh, development um just we treated it like a skill just like it would be passing dribbling shooting we we treated it like a skill and so we worked on those things and and as i was doing that we would we would use uh stories we would use things from current events to kind of train our players and so when i went out into full-time speaking and full-time leadership training we end up doing the same so when i go and speak to student athletes we're using everyday stories so we might pick something something out of the news from this past weekend with the Golden State Warriors or the New England Patriots or, or what have you. And so, you know, when I decided on putting a book together, we decided, you know what, let's let's do the same thing. Let's let's make it an interesting read, an easy to read book with lots of stories. Um and, and like you said, some of the people um, you know, athletes or, or even parents or coaches may not have heard of, but then other ones they will have. You know, there's stories about Tony Romo, there's stories about Michael Jordan, there's stories about Tom Brady. Um, and then there's lesser known people in it as well. So we tried to make it easy to read because we know students don't read as much as they used to. And, and, and the book actually, you know, you don't have to sit down and read it from cover to cover. You can pick whatever chapters or maybe are most prevalent to you. And so each chapter is broken down um, into a different topic in terms of, you know, being a verbal leader or being a leader with position, you know, like a captain. Or if you aren't a captain, maybe you're a reserve um, there's some teamwork stuff. So essentially the book is about how to become a better teammate, how to become a better leader, how to become your team's most valuable leader. Yeah, you know, you got me right in the beginning of the book. I was like, oh, I know I want to read this. I could just so relate to Ashley Whitaker Dodd. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, just it made me want to read this book. And it, um, I'm going to talk about your handwritten note in a minute too, but I, I can you tell me about her and tell to everybody listening about Ashley Whitaker Dodd, because to be nice, mm, yep, <laughs> it's a lot more than basketball, isn't it? Ah. It sure is. And, and you know, uh, she's one of those players that played for me. Uh, she played college ball for me, and then she also uh, went to Hawaii. Uh, my wife and I took a bunch of uh, players to Hawaii for an all-star tournament, and uh, she played for us on that team as well in Hawaii. And so – uh, we still keep in touch. Uh, and, and that, you know, at the end of the day, that's more important than what her statistics were or how many games we won. You know, she was a good player, but it's nice to know 10, 15, 20 years later, you're still in touch with people. And, and uh, you know, she's actually now coaching some middle school basketball. Uh, her husband's a police officer. She's raising uh, kids now of her own. And, and so it's, it's great to be able to see that, that, you know, you were able to have some kind of an impact on, on a player's life like that. And, and, but, but she wrote, you know, she talked about when she was in high school, she talked about some of the lessons that athletics taught her, uh, you know, talked about life lessons uh, and, and you can use life lessons in sports and you can use sports lessons in life. And so that's, that's one of the things I like about sports. And so, uh, yeah, I was, I was honored. She, she wrote a, a little forward and then another player V young wrote a forward and, and V is playing overseas still. Uh, she's been playing for about five years now, professional basketball. And so um, those are just a couple examples of people that, uh, you know, it's it's great to see them being successful after basketball. Yeah, what so tell me about leadership because um I every time I go to your to your Twitter page or to your website or read a little bit more about your book, 
I, at age 48, am learning more and more and more about leadership. And, um, you know, you you think you have a skill pretty pretty well, you know, mastered or, you know, you, everybody always thinks, yeah, 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 I know, until somebody comes along and goes, oh, you don't know everything. Here are so many gaps and here. Are, but you have to be open to learning, too. So what my point is, is like leaders, a leader is a lifelong learner, too. They don't just lead. They learn. Can you talk about that? That's just one of my own philosophies, and I'm wondering if you could disagree with it, agree with it, expand on it, or just pass. <laughs> no, no I, I think you're spot on, Elizabeth. You know, leaders are learners, and, and you never stop learning. Um, you know, there, there's a story, and I forget the gentleman's name, but there's a story about a great violinist who uh, was practicing into his 90s, and someone said, you know, why are you still practicing? And he says, because one day I hope to get it right. Uh, you're you're yeah, never exactly. you never stop learning um, because you never stop having an opportunity to have a positive influence on the world around you and the people around you and and I think one of the biggest misnomers that people have with leadership is most of us sit around and say we're not the leader because we're not the boss. Our business card doesn't say owner or it doesn't say you know manager or you know, it doesn't say head coach. And so we think that we're not a leader, but really we are because leadership is more than just titles or authority or flow charts or positions. It's about one life influencing another. And, and we all can do that in our own way, whether it's, whether it's having just a family cookout, whether it's deciding where we're going to go eat tonight. Um, you know, it, it's just, how do we influence others? And, and you mentioned, you know, social media, you mentioned my Twitter. I try to put, put out positive stuff as much as possible on Twitter because that's one of the ways that we can lead is we can lead ourselves by having positive thoughts, but we can also lead others by not giving in to the, to the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, where, where we, where we get into this rut of being negative, uh, this cycle of being negative and we can add some positivity to the world around us. And, and we don't have to, uh, to give into the temptation to be negative and to throw dirt or, or to criticize others. Let's, let's be positive. And, and so I think that's a lot what leadership is, but we don't think of ourselves as leaders sometimes, but we really are because we can lead by being positive and being positive. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, we ignore the negative or bury our head in the sand. It just means that, you know what, we're, we're going to choose to overcome the, the challenges that we face or the negatives that are out in this world. Yeah. Um, I, oh gosh, I love handwritten notes. I'm going to go jump all over the place a little bit here for a minute, like I normally do, because we're kind of conversational and getting to know you on our, on our show and everything. But I would love to talk about this personal note that you wrote, because I, I am such a huge fan of handwritten notes. I've tried to teach all of our children the old school way of writing notes instead of emailing instead of even picking up the phone is good but i love a handwritten note uh i sense you do too because you wrote one (laughs) (laughs) can you talk about how that just this one thing makes people such a leader well first of all it stands out In, in today's digital age uh you know where where most people just communicate in 140 characters 
or we, we send an email. And, and I'm certainly not opposed to that. I, I do that a lot as well. But I do think you stand out when you send a handwritten note because it's, it's personal and it took time. Um, and, uh, you know, I still do that. You know, if I send somebody a book or, or a lot of times I will still send old-fashioned thank you notes. Um, even just last week I went, I went down to the Dollar Tree and uh, I, bought, <laughs> yep. I, I bought I bought some packs of thank you cards because they're cheap at the Dollar Tree and and uh, but you know I, I send them when I go speaking somewhere I'll send them to the the organizers uh, and it doesn't even have to be the CEO or the the head boss it, it could be just you know a secretary that I met along the way or or the person that helped me with the mics or the people you know the sound guys or whatever and so um, I think I think it's it, it still works because it. it one, it differentiates you from the crowd. It makes you stand out. But two, it makes that other person realize, you know what, I'm important enough that this person spent some time doing handwriting, you know, doing old-fashioned cursive or old-fashioned, you know, just handwritten note. And, and I meant something to that person. And, and I think anytime we can add value to someone or make someone feel significant, make someone feel special, then I think we're being a leader, you know, no matter what our title is. We're, we're helping make the world a little bit better place. And, and certainly a thank you card or a handwritten card guarantee or bring about world peace. But you know what? For, for one moment, you did something right. Or for one moment, maybe you brightened someone else's day. Yeah, you, you know, there was a, uh, a D3 coach who wrote one of my children a note, a handwritten note on the, on the college stationery. Uh, and it, it came in here and he opened it up and he thought that was the coolest thing he'd ever seen. It's, it's framed up in his room. It was a lengthy handwritten note, and it just blew him out of the way. Out of the, I mean, just he couldn't believe it. He's like, "Look at this note, mom and dad," you know. And he, from that moment on, he was just like, uh, "Handwritten notes are the coolest thing ever." <laughs> so, the camera, I don't want to say his name. Sorry, I just did. But he, one of our kids, just absolutely loves handwritten notes, and it was super inspired by a coach writing him one. Um, isn't that, isn't that cool when somebody takes the time to do that? I think so. I mean, I know I don't get a lot of them, but you know, most of us don't get a lot of them anymore, but, but when I do, I remember that person and, and I, and I tend to save those cards. Yeah. I, I just thought that was the the coolest thing. I want to say names and everything like that, but I probably shouldn't. And it was, it was just awesome. But you, you, you did 20, 20 years of coaching in college basketball. You were a professor, an administrator. You, I mean, you've done a lot of leadership in your life. Yeah. Tell me, how does like character and integrity fit into leadership? Are they related? Are they not related? Are they all different, or is it one big thing yeah, of leadership? Like, what goes into leadership? No, it, it plays in a, a great deal. Now, now I would say anybody. I would say actually not anybody, but everybody is a leader in some way. You're either, you're either leading uh, forward or you're leading backwards. You're leading and making things better or you're making things worse. Um, you know, I think we all, you know, even the people that just stand around and do nothing, I think are leading 
um, if nothing else, they're leading themselves backwards. Um, they're influencing themselves in a negative way. And, and, and so when you come with character, when you come with integrity, I think the more of that that you have, then the more likely that you're going to lead in a positive manner and you're going to influence not only yourself in a forward direction, but you're going to influence other people um, because people are going to follow um, people that they know, like, and trust. You know, they're going to buy things. You know, if you're a salesman, and, and we're almost all salespeople. I mean, we're selling something at some point. Uh, it might not be vacuum cleaners or, you know, it might not be door-to-door type stuff or cars, but we're all selling something. And people are going to buy something from those that they know, like, and trust. And so the more character you have, the more integrity you have, then the more that they're going to respect you and the more that they're going to believe that maybe you have their best interest in mind, not just your best interest. And, uh, you know, I, I once heard John Maxwell, the great leadership expert, say that uh, uh, a leader without followers is just someone out for a nice walk. And, uh, you know, sometimes if we don't have character, if we don't have integrity, then we're not going to be joined by a whole lot of other people going in the right direction. And so if, if we want to make this world a better place, if we want to make our community, our life, our family a little bit better, then, then we want to try to have as much integrity and character as, as we can. I love that. Um, your coach Beckler on Twitter at um, coach Beckler. So if you're, if you're listening and you want to, and you want to tweet coach here, you can, um, I just want to make sure I mention that too, because we're getting some tweets in with a lot of questions and so forth um, on my end, and I want to make sure you get them too. Um, so make sure you, if you want to contact Coach, you do. Um, it's it's Jamie Beckler, and it, he's at Coach Beckler, B E C H L E R. I just want to make sure I tell everybody that. So um, let's go back, if you don't mind, to the leadership playbook and talk about why you decided to write a book. And I'd also love to talk to you about, like, life after sports. Like, so many people have that moment where they're like, now what do I do? And I'd love to know <laughs> if, you, if you had that moment and how you transitioned into doing what you're doing. <laughs> I'm still going through those moments, you know, of looking <laughs> back at life after sports. But, uh, you know, uh, first of all, I, I wrote the book because I had about uh, – through the course of the years, you know, over the years, I kept saying, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. And I ended up having 23 book titles and 23 ideas for books. And so, but I never actually wrote a book. And then a few years ago, I just decided, you know, I got to, I got to just jump in with both feet, do it. And, uh, you know, what was happening was I was going around and speaking a lot to student athletes. And, and I, I finally had a coach say, you know, Hey, we'd love to have you come in and speak, but we can't afford your fee. Do you have any handouts or do you have a book or something like that? And that was kind of just the straw that broke the camel's back. And I said, you know what? I got to get this book done. Um, I've got to get something out there so that people can, so that, so that my message, which, which I think the message is, is, uh, is, is pretty important on how to be a better teammate, how to be a better leader. Um, how I can get that message out there to more people, not just the people that hire me to come and speak. And so we put the book together and it's like we talked about early chock full of, of stories, but uh, you know, I think when you're looking at uh, life after sports, I think sports prepares you amazingly well for life after, after sports. Um, You know, you have, even in the course of a practice, even in the course of a game, you have hundreds 
of little decisions you're going to make. You're going to have hundreds of ups and downs all within the course of one practice. Um, and, and sometimes, you, you know, you're going to face adversity. You're going to have to make tough decisions. You're going to have to keep your poise. And sometimes that's getting hit with an elbow. Sometimes that's getting a forearm shiver. Sometimes that's when you're just dripping sweat and you're really tired. And so, you know, that's very similar to maybe not the forearm shivers and the elbows, but that's very similar to when we get into life, you know, the car's going to break down once in a while. The, the baby's going to be crying and, and I'm going to have a cold and I'm not going to want to deal with stuff and I'm not going to want to go to work, but you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to dis- have the discipline. I'm going to have to have poise. I'm going to have to have uh, the perspective of, of, you know, how to balance my time and, and, and do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. And so I think sports can really teach that uh, to kids. And then when they get out into the quote unquote real world, I think they're more prepared. You, I can tell you're a great speaker. I mean, I, I have never listened to you in person, but I, I, before now, but I mean, like in an actual person with in an auditorium kind of thing. I've never done that yet. But um, are you? How, how'd you transition? I suppose you're a coach, so you're kind of used to being up in front of people and talking <laughs> to people and things like that. But being up in front of a crowd of people on a stage is slightly different, um, maybe. Do you? There's a lot of people out there who speak. Do you have uh, anything to say about, you know, speaking and being a motivational speaker and what separates you from Well, a lot of a lot there? of people a lot of people that's their number one fear is speaking in public. You know, which is which is really crazy because when you consider I can't say it, I'm you know, a fan of it at all. I'll do this, but get me on a stage and I'll oh, I don't know. Eh, not well, my Jerry, favorite thing. Jerry Jerry Seinfeld has a bit uh, a comedy bit where he says people would rather be in the casket at their own funeral than be given the eulogy. Um, They're that scared of public speaking. But, you know, here's the thing. First of all, half the people that are in the audience aren't listening to you anyway. So, you know, your your fears aren't all that founded anyway. So don't worry about it. But, but, you know, here's the thing, and and I I won't go off on a tangent too much, but in in public speaking in high schools and colleges, they tend to – make you do certain speeches that you're not passionate about, which leads to you being scared because you haven't internalized uh, what you're saying. You're, oh, you're yeah. not as prepared. You know, that makes I have sense, not, actually. I, I have yet to meet someone that speaks professionally or speaks in public on a regular basis that speaks on stuff they're not passionate about. The majority of time you're going to speak in public is probably going to be on stuff that you're passionate about or stuff that you know. And so, you know, I think sometimes that fear is unfounded. Um, speak, oh, speak to that, your you passions. Know, that is such a great point. Oh, my gosh. That a light bulb just went off for me as you're talking about that. You know what? That, that was the worst thing ever in high school, standing in front of people with those <laughs> index cards with something that you don't want to talk about. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know anything about this, really, and you're making me do this. Oh, yeah, that's the way public speaking feels to me exactly. Like, even with my yeah. own book, I'm sitting here going, oh, I hate this. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I love my own book, and I'm passionate about it and the message, but you go back to that that memory you have of everybody, like, bored to tears listening to you. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Now, now, that's it, isn't now, it? Even if even if we're speaking on something we're passionate oh. about, sometimes sometimes we have the disease of comparison that that pops up in our head and it's like oh well I'm not Tony Robbins or I'm not this person 
you know, I can't speak as eloquently or I'm not as funny as this person. Well, you know what? You probably aren't as funny because you're not a comedian, you know, but you don't speak from your heart. Speak passionately. Now, certainly there's some strategies you can use to be a better speaker. Um, I have never had a problem speaking in front of people. Um, And now certainly you talked about being a coach. Uh, you know, as a coach, you have to give long speeches. You have to give short speeches. Sometimes you only have, you know, 10, 15 seconds to say what you need to say. Um, you know, you're you're used to uh, having to go off, you know, off the cuff. You're having to ad lib a lot. You're having to prepare a lot. And, and all the while, you're trying to keep teenagers' attentions, which is which is some of the hardest things. I would I would much rather speak to 40 to 50 year old executives any day than teenagers. Um, because you, you, it's a, it's a lot more challenging and anyone that has kids understands it's hard to keep an attention span of a teenager. Um, but you know, gadget in their hand now, you know, my first, uh, but I, I started, I, I gave a speech when I was in sixth grade, I gave a speech over the intercom of the whole school on why they should vote for me to be a class, uh, vice president or something. And you know what? I was the only one that did that and I won. So I guess that started awesome. my career in public speaking. And, uh, but my I first, I used to be okay my, with that. So what's funny. That? I used to be okay with those kind of speeches. Like I ran for student council and did this and that. I even, I was a gymnast. I think I even, I'll flip for president. And I think I did a flip too and all sorts of stuff, but something happened, like something changed. And I don't know, I don't know what it is. There must've been a moment where I was just like, Oh, I don't like this anymore. It's interesting to me to hear you. You were you. I always ask that question when people come on the on the show. Like, have you always been this way since like kindergarten? Have you always wanted to be a speaker, or a writer, a coach? Is that you? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've yeah. never. Uh, you know, some a question that I'll get. You know, once in a while would be. You know, what what would you do? What would you want to do if you could do anything other than what you're doing right now, or what what you do for a living? And I would. I have always wanted to be a guy that was on Saturday Night Live, to do those skits to entertain. Now, some people would say well, that's why you're not doing that because you can't entertain and you're not very funny. But I always, I always thought that that would be so neat to to do different things and and entertain in different ways. Um, and so, yeah, I've always, I've always, you know, been comfortable in front of people. Now that doesn't mean I, I seek that limelight. I mean, I don't, I don't try to seek it out, but I'm okay with it. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll be in a group, whether it's a church group, whether it's just a bunch of other people at a conference or whatever, and and I might be the quietest one at the table. Um, I just sit back. Sometimes I, I was at my wife's Christmas party. Um, you know, there's 20 people in this big banquet room, and eventually, after about an hour, somebody says, "Jamie, don't aren't you a?" speaker aren't you a motivational speaker I'm like yes and they're like you're gathering you said a word yet yeah and, and then they were like well motivate us say something to motivate us okay. you know it's like a comedian say something funny oh that's that is funny actually right then and there that's funny you know what i was saying that's bizarre because um i i have like five saturday night live skits written uh, it's, that's all <laughs> i've ever wanted to do is to be a saturday night live writer I have so many what are to me hysterically funny skits written in my head. <laughs> you know, they're written down now, but that, isn't that interesting? I wonder how many people like want to do Saturday Night Live and they'll openly admit it live on the radio. 
<laughs> well, there so might be a lot. There's certainly a lot more that more want to do it. Than, yeah, that that can do it. Um, just because I want to doesn't mean that I would be good at it or talented. Oh no, yeah, I mean, no, I, I know. To, I, yeah, I wanted to play in the NBA I, too, but I wasn't quite good enough. Yeah, I wanted to be an Olympic gymnast, and yeah, I fell short of that goal. Um, no, I I get it, but you know, the, all of that experience and everything teaches you so much. Um, you just sort of collect all these experiences and these moments and these listening moments. You know, you're you're saying that you know you're sitting there listening and everything, but do you um, do you have any anything that like really stands out as one moment in your life that was just absolutely like pivotal? <laughs> Oh, man. Great question. You know, there's been a lot of little, a lot of little things that have just built off of, off of one another. You know, I I think of some pivotal moments, you know, uh, even going to summer camp as a seventh grader and some of the stuff I learned as an impressionable seventh grader that, uh, you know, that I I took with me. I went, it was a, it was a, a Bible camp when I was in seventh grade and there were some things there that I, you know, you could say it changed my life, um, but there was it, it. It was a building block, and it helped, you know, it, it helped shape some of my thoughts. And and as I get got older, you know, I I built off of those, uh, um, you know. But there's you know there's been some people in my life that have passed away when I was when I was young. I had teammates uh, that passed away. I had friends that passed away tragically, and so those kind of things kind of shaped the way I viewed life. Um, you know, I, I had parents that, you know, some of the things that they did, they were, my mom was a teacher, my dad was a firefighter and uh, a local politician. And, and I saw that the, the way that they tried to be logical, rational and help others and, and not get caught up um, in agendas. And, and so those are, you know, that's not necessarily a, a, a pivotal point or a turning point in my life, but those are all things that, that I was able to build off of. And and helped shape me early on um, to who to who I am today. Well, I love the fact that in addition to your book, you have this awesome podcast um, radio show called Success Is a Choice, and you have interviewed some just amazing guests from Toronto Raptors head coach Dwayne Casey to Orlando Magic VP Pat Williams. You've got. Fortune 500 business coach Lolly Daskal, who's also a friend of mine. I've had her her on my um, teleseminar before. She's fascinating, and just you've Kevin Harrington. I mean, I'm just going a few of them here that you that you've interviewed. But tell us tell us why you did a podcast also, um, and how it's impacted everything that you do. Yeah, well. I, I listen to podcasts and I'm, I'm one of those weirdos that actually listens to podcasts when I'm at the gym working out. And, and so I'm, I'm not sure that that actually helps me um, because it's not like, you know, hard workout music that makes me more motivated, but it, I get my info while I'm on the stationary bike. Um, and, uh, you know, so I like podcasts. Funny. Yeah. yeah I, I, so I like podcasts and I decided, you know what, why don't I start my own podcast where I can interview people that I like or I want to learn more about and I get to ask the questions. And, you know, I didn't set up the podcast the way that business people would say you're supposed to set it up. It's not niched. There's not a a specific target market. Uh, You know, it would seem natural that I would interview athletics 
athletic people or, or sports coaches, those kind of things. But I chose to interview people from, from all over the spectrum. And so, you know, you mentioned a few people, you know, guys from Shark Tank, uh, professional sports. Uh, I've had authors, uh, actors, um, Miss USA fitness trainer, um, you know, so I've had all different kinds of people on and, and I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, obviously some are better than others or, or some are, are uh, you know, maybe more entertaining or, or more far reaching. Um, but some of the ones that, uh, you know, people maybe have not heard of those people, they, they those insights are great. And, and so I named it success as a choice because I wanted, if you listen to any episode, then you're going to kind of get a better understanding of how that person has been successful and maybe pick up uh, one or two insights or, or key points that can help you be more successful in whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, I, I, I love the, I, I love the format and everything. I appreciate you having me on your show too. I thought that was really neat that you that you included me because, you know, it's it's, it's quite a list and and to be, I, I I love that in, sorry, in your show you definitely can listen to it and do exactly what you just said. Pick up something new to learn and put in your your own, um, you know, tools of the trade and, you know, wheelhouse. It just becomes sort of part of you. And there's so many, there's so many stories and so many people that you've interviewed and it's, it's really quite, quite nice. And you can, um, where does all of that reside? Like if people are going to go listen to your show, where do you want them to go to? Is it iTunes or do you have a website? Where where do you want people to go? Well, it's on, it's on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Radio TuneIn and Google Play, but uh, it's housed all at successisachoicepodcast.com, and there they can see all of the episodes. They can get a picture. They just click on the picture of the person. Uh, the, there's a picture. There's the name of the person and kind of what they do, like what their title is or what they're known for, and so you can just click on uh, that picture and, and go, to their, uh, go to their page and you can listen um, to the, you can learn more about them, but you can also listen to them, um, you know, for, and, and each episode is only about 30 minutes. So it's a, it's a, you know, they can be on the stationary bike or, you know, the, the a typical commute. Um, they might be able to, uh, with their commute, listen to it the next day. So, uh, you know, I, you know, some of them, they might like more than others. Um, they'll go sure. through it. And, uh, but, but certainly, you know, I, I think that they're going to find somebody there that that they can listen to and that they'll be curious about. So you are uh, a newer dad, right, Jalen? Your son? I I love this. Well, um, he, yeah, he's eight. He's eight years old. Um, but you know, like any parent, it goes by so fast. So I still think that I'm a new dad, but I'm not really. I guess I guess compared to me, you're a newer dad. <laughs> Mine are twenty. There you go. <laughs> I always I guess I do that all the time to people. Sorry, but um, yeah, not a you know, Jalen's not a baby, I guess, or anything like that. But still, you know, I think until they get older, you're kind of always learning. They especially with you know they just grow and there's different phases and new things and all this stuff. So anyway, but we have something um, in common as far as adoption goes. My parents. Um, are just gosh since I was little they firm believers in adoption and um they used to just donate christmas to um some of the homes where you know the kids were and stuff and they've adopted two kids um so i have two um a brother and a sister who are adopted 
So I love nice. adoption stories. So I was wondering if you could elaborate about adoption. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm so a huge, a huge proponent of it, and and I think a lot of people don't think of that as an option. Um, you know, especially younger people, and, and I probably shouldn't get into it, but you know, so many young people are are having children. And maybe they're not quite ready for it, but they don't see another alternative. But there's so many great families out there that maybe can't have kids themselves and would be great loving parents. And, and you know, if let's say you're a young person and, and you have, you're having a child, you know, if you give that child up for adoption, you can still be part of their life. You know, it doesn't have to be that you're just severing ties altogether with, with your son or daughter. And, and so you know, I would encourage people, you know, that's an option to look at because there are some great loving people out there that, that can't have kids, but want kids or want more kids. And so, but, uh, you know, uh, we, we were in the boat where we couldn't have kids. And so we, uh, we started looking at adoption and, uh, we went through the process, uh, got, um, got all approved. It, it took maybe, I'm going to say a year and a half to get approved and everything. And, and shortly after we got approved in our portfolio or our profile is out there for, for uh, mothers to look at, we got this call that this mother uh, was interested in us. And she had actually just watched the movie blind, or she had just seen a, a movie trailer for the movie Blindside, And she was so intrigued by that. And then when she saw our profile, and that we were a coach, uh, I was a coach, and, and she thought, you know what, that would be so great if my son could be raised by a coach. You know, I just watched the Blindside trailer, and that, that looked pretty cool. Even though, you know, the, the, the star in the movie wasn't raised by a coach, but they were raised by, it was in an athletic setting, but she just, this uh, birth mother just loved our, uh, loved our story of being a coach and being around athletes and and she also liked the fact that we didn't have any kids or pets and that we were just going to totally love on this, on this son of hers. And so we, uh, we went ahead and uh, we were there at the hospital when, when Jalen was born and uh, we got to take him home from, from the hospital. And, uh, you know, but we got, we had five days notice that we were going to have a son and, uh, and I did a quick calculation, wow. realized that I had a basketball game that night that we were going to have a son. And being a typical male who is naive and, and doesn't, you know, think about anything but himself and what I have going on, I was like, all right, well, you know, kid will be born. I'll spend a couple hours and I'll have plenty of time to get back to the game. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, every every mother out there is just shaking her head right now. But uh, <laughs> no, no. yeah, that the kids nope. coached that game, didn't they? <laughs> Yeah. So my assistant coach is his career college record is one and zero, uh, and he uh, he won that game for us, and that was great. Uh, and it propelled us. He he's he's a very successful high school coach now. So I believe that the the birth of Jalen propelled him to be a successful head coach. Love that. That's awesome. So yeah, I think that's yeah. My my parents um, got Justin at birth also. And uh, what a difference he's made in our lives, and and hopefully we've made a, a wonderful difference in his too. But he's he's lovely. My my brother is six foot seven. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, he's massive. So I'll I'll send you pictures sometime. He's he's great. Um, but yeah, no, I I I love adoption stories. So I thought we would talk about that. I appreciate you you doing that. Um, 
Okay, so let's go back to leadership because um, if you were gonna if you were gonna give somebody listening just a couple things to take away from this show about leadership, what would you talk about? If somebody listening who wants a really a, a really something to really impact their lives that you're talking about today um, to help them. Yeah, first first of all, I would say be a positive leader, positive leadership. Above all else, uh, there is so much noise out there, and there, it is so easy to be negative. But be positive, and, and not be you know cheerleader pom pom. You know, not the not the. We've all been to a sporting event where you know, bless their hearts, but with one minute to go in the game, and your team's down by a million points, and the cheerleaders are still saying we're number one, we're going to win the game. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking that kind of positivity. Yeah, I'm I'm talking about the positivity that refuses to get bogged down in the negatives and, you know, well, this this has never been done here before or we can't do this or this, this and this is reasons why it can't happen. No, let's instead of being problem fixated, let's be solution focused. Let's let's try to find ways that things will work. Let's try to find ways to to get a win-win situation. And, and I don't think enough leaders uh, do that. I don't think enough people in general do that. And uh, whether it's in our break room, you know, next to the water cooler, whether it's talking to our family members or whether it's we're in a boardroom, you know, making big time decisions. I don't think enough of us look at how we can be positive and, and find solutions. And, and I would say that that's from the top of our government all the way down to local government, into our family, our, into our houses, you know. So that's, that's really – I'm pretty passionate about that, that you have to find a way to be positive because otherwise, you know, you're not going to inspire as many people. You're not going to motivate as many people, and you're also going to put up barriers. Um, when you start to be negative or when you start to point out too many problems, then what happens is you start drawing lines in the sand. You start uh, polarizing people. Um, and, and you don't get as much accomplished. And so that would be my number one thing. And, and number two would just be you can do it. You might not be able to do everything, but you can do something. Um, you might not be able to reach everybody, but you can reach someone. And so don't let, um, don't let the big, huge task in front of you stop you from even starting. A lot of times we just stop ourselves from even starting. Um, because we see this big, huge task, you know, and I know it's a silly cliche, but how do you eat an elephant? Well, one bite at a time, you know, if, if you want to change your family, if you want to change your workplace, if you want to change your community, do it, do it one person at a time. Um, you know, I, I got a lot of times, uh, student athletes will come up to me and say, you know, the team won't listen to me. I don't know how I can be a leader. You say all this stuff, but, but the team won't listen to me. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, unless you're, I mean, unless you're Tom Brady, unless you're Tim Tebow, unless you're Derek Jeter, you know, people like that, the team's not going to listen to you. You know, there's very few of those guys out there or gals that the whole team's going to listen to. But you know who's going to listen to you is your closest friend. And you can influence your closest one or two friends. And that's where it needs to start. And so that, those would be the two things I would say anybody can do that's listening to this. You can be positive and you can start now. You can, you can, you know, do what you can where you're at. I love that. I'm going to flip it around, and from I'm going to go, ask you if you could put yourself in the shoes of a student athlete for a moment and have somebody tell you 
you can't do that. Like the dream squasher adult or, you know, I, nothing bugs me more than uh, hearing, this is my own personal opinion, so again, disagree, agree or whatever, but um, kids, kids sometimes have these really enormous dreams and they might be sitting in a spot where people say, no one's done that from here, no one's done that from this school, you can't do that, you're not good enough, you're not big enough, tall enough, fast enough, old enough, what do you say? to help that student-athlete who's got a cast of naysayers around them? Well, it's an interesting question because because our society tends to be very extreme. And so we have two types of people. We have the type that you're talking about, which is, you know, the, the squasher of dreams. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, the person that says, well, this can't be done. You know, no one's ever done that from here, that kind of thing. And then on the other extreme, you have the people that say, oh, yeah, you can do anything you want if you just set your mind to it. But then they don't give them a plan. They don't, they don't tell them how difficult it will be. Not that they can't do it, but it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge. But here is how we can put ourselves in position to overcome those challenges. And I, and I think we don't want to be on either one of those extremes. But what we do want to do is we want to acknowledge the reality. We want to acknowledge the challenges that might lie ahead that we might face, but we want to do that so that we're prepared um, and we have a plan of attack, not so that it squashes our dreams, not so that we don't have hard work. Um, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes people just aren't going to reach their dreams because they're too lofty. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, gymnastics earlier. Well, if, if you're a six foot five you know, person, you're probably not doing much in gymnastics, you know, or if you're a six foot five jockey, you're probably not going to be in the Kentucky Derby. Same way. If you're a four foot nine person, you're probably not going to be in the NBA or the WNBA, you know, so there are some things that hinder us from achieving those dreams, but more than likely what hinders us is not having a good plan, not preparing for the challenges that we're going to face. Some of us, you know, some of us are born with a silver spoon in our mouth and some of us are born with just a wooden spoon in our mouth. Um, you know, some of us are born with steak on a table and some born with spam on the table. And yet there's people that pull themselves up by the bootstraps and accomplish more than anyone ever thought possible because they have a plan and they work that plan. Um, I think you have to be realistic, but I also think that you have to understand that you can overcome challenges and you can overcome reality to to be almost anything that you want to be so i I don't know if that totally answered your question but i don't think you want to be on either extreme as a coach and as a player as an athlete what you have to do is is you have to not just have the will to win but the will to prepare to win you can't just say well i want this to happen but don't have a plan for it or i man i i want to be the best i want to be the best but then every saturday night you go out you know, and you're at the beach more than you are in the gym or at the baseball diamond or in the batting cage. And I think there's a whole lot of athletes out there, a lot of athletes that just give lip service to how hard they work, or they're always Instagramming or Facebooking or Twittering, or, you know, tweeting out or Snapchatting out, you know, that they're in the gym, but they're doing that more than they're actually working out. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to ask one more question on this whole student athlete thing, and then we're going to move on. That was that was a perfectly 
that was a great answer to that, and I bet that help, will help a lot of people listening. Um, what I want to ask you is about the moment. Put your, keep yourself in the student athlete shoes for a minute or two here, and talk about if you can the the moment where you aren't going to. It's not that you can't. It's not that you won't or but you you aren't going to for example you aren't going to play college baseball or college basketball or high school basketball or you know you might get cut you might not get recruited you might not or that moment where you're in college and you realize you're not going to play in the MLB or the NBA or the NFL you know those moments where you're you're really not going to do that it's it no one's drafting you or whatever can you talk about those moments and how um, people could have some tools to deal with that? Yeah, you know, you want first of all, you want to surround yourself with people that you trust, and not just yes people, but people that uh, have your best interest in mind, but are going to help you um, uh, to not just grow as an athlete, but grow as a person, and and that are going to be honest with you, but not the brutal honest people that don't give you any hope that just, you know, cut your legs out, you know, by saying, well, I'm just keeping it real. So you want to have some people around you like that, that can help you, that can uh, advise you. But, you know, we're all going to be faced with that at some point in terms of, you know, we're not good enough or we can't do what we used to do. Um, You know, even the Michael Jordans of this world, the Tiger Woods of this world are faced with that. Um, And so you have to do an accurate assessment of, Am I in this position? Am I in this position of, because of something I can control, or because of something I can't control? And then there's extremes to that. There's a continuum of that because it's not always well. I'm in this position because I can't control it. Well, you know, Tiger Woods is hurt. Tiger Woods is older. You know, and and at first glance you would say, well, you can't control that. But the question is not maybe can you control it. Yes or no, but how much can you not control it? You know, what are some things that you can do to maybe, you know, stretch out your career a little bit longer? Um, you know, are you, how committed are you to what you're doing? Is it really a passion of yours? And, um, you know, I, I also another thing with that is I think of, you know, some, my, my, my basketball career came to an early, um, came to an early uh, uh, retirement in college. Uh, We were at my freshman year, and we are at the year-end banquet, and I was also playing football. I was playing football and basketball in college, and uh, when my coach at the basketball banquet talked about uh, me in front of everybody, he's like, yeah, Jamie's a hard worker. He played both football and basketball, and, and, you know, we're going to miss him next year because, you know, it's so tough to play both sports, but he's going to have a good future in football. And that was the first time I'd heard that. So, you know, I had an early retirement from basketball and I didn't even realize it. But what I did was I found a way to still stay involved in basketball. And I found a way to, to, even though maybe I wasn't good enough to play anymore, I found a way to still be part of the program as an assistant or to still prepare myself to be a coach one day. And so I found other ways to still stay involved in the game. Cool, I love that. All right, yeah, and I, I, I hope that I hope his answers really help people because I'm trying to do a show where people listen in and they go, oh, that helps me solve this feeling I'm going through, or this moment I'm having, or this crisis I'm experiencing. 
And people can turn and, and either read your book or go to your website or listen to this show or shows you've done, and they really have some good insight on how to move forward so they don't feel stuck. Mm. Yep, good point. And, I mean, everybody everybody faces a setback. You know, uh, you know Michael Jordan, I, I know it's a – it's a, a pretty well-known story to a degree, but Michael Jordan got cut from his, or he didn't make his varsity team as a sophomore in high school. And, you know, you think back and it's like, well, he's arguably the greatest basketball player ever. And he didn't even make his varsity team as a sophomore. No, you know, and, and most sophomores play JV. So that's not like a crazy thing, but that served as motivation too for him. So, you know, if, if, your son or daughter maybe didn't make the team or maybe they didn't make the starting team or the travel team or whatever. Use that as motivation. Use that as fuel to get better because we can either get better or bitter about a lot of things that happen in our lives. And, and, and I'm afraid most athletes, when something, when they face a setback, they tend to get bitter or they tend to look at it negatively or play the victim role that it's someone else's fault instead of accepting full responsibility for their actions or inactions or their attitudes. And, and even if it is someone else's fault, even if the coach played favorites or politics was involved, you know what? Make yourself the coach's favorite. Make it so hard you know, that they can't say no to you. Make it so hard that they can't cut you next time or they got to play you. Yeah. Can you um, give a few more minutes to stay with us? I know um, we're in record mode right now. Uh, the the live broadcast is um, over, and people that are on the link or, or, or have called in can continue listening to us. But we're, we're recording past the showtime. Do you have like five or ten more minutes, or do you need to go? No, that's fine. Overtime. I'm good for overtime. Oh, yeah, we're in overtime. <laughs> exactly. Um, I wanted to ask you um, about the word the word student athlete, um, make it plural, mm-hmm. singular, whatever you want to do. But how? what's the student part of that? Uh, there's so many varying themes on what a student athlete should be, could be, would be, and so forth. What's your take on it? Yeah, I, I don't mind the, the term student athlete. Uh, when you're in college, when you're in high school, um, you know, you, you should be a student first because the majority – I mean, the overwhelming majority of students that will play sports in high school or college that will end up going pro in that sport is so minuscule. Um, You know, in in football alone, only one and a half percent of all NCAA football players will ever play a down in the NFL. Um, You know, so 1.5 percent of the people will play in the NFL. You know, so I think that you do have to focus on something other than athletics or you can't just be a professional athlete while you're in high school or while you're in college. You need to develop some skills. You need to educate yourself and and prepare for the world after you're done as an athlete because that's the reality for most people. And even if you're one of those lucky 1.5% in football, let's say, that go to the NFL, the average uh, uh, playing career is only 3.3 years for an NFL player. So even if you're that lucky one, you're only going to be just barely over three years in the NFL. So you need to make sure that you're getting an education. And so I do think the student athlete moniker, I think that's fair. <clears throat> I try to, I always try to use that as much as possible. Um, sometimes I just go quickly and just say athletes, but uh, you know, I do think you should be a student athlete and I do think the student should come first. Now, what I also don't think, though, I think it should come first 
but I don't think it should come at the expense of athletics during athletics time if you didn't take care of your responsibilities as a student. And, and what, where I'm going with that, I'll circle back to why I say that. A lot of times students will sometimes pit athletics against studies or, or you know, they'll, they'll, when they should be studying, they'll be doing athletics. And when they should be, you know, focused <laughs> on athletics, they'll be, you know, oh, I have to take a makeup test. Well, why do you have to take a makeup test? Well, because I missed class. Well, yeah. So now, you know, well, athletes, studies shouldn't come before athletics if, if you just missed a class, and that's why you have to take a makeup test. And so sometimes students at the high school and the college level make poor choices, which then lead to another poor choice, which leads to another poor choice. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're mad because the consequences aren't what they want, but it's because they made some poor choices. So, but I think a student athlete is there to get an education in high school and college. And I think that they need to take advantage of that. You know, whether you're a full ride student athlete or whether you're getting just a couple thousand dollars to play, or you're even a division three athlete who's not getting any financial money for athletics. I think you take advantage of the opportunities to be at that school and to learn from those professors and to learn from the opportunities that that school provides. Yeah, and and that could be another one of those moments too, where it combines into the now what, you know, like where you're where something didn't quite pan out as you had dreamed, hoped, or whatever, and you've you know you're in that now what moment. What am I going to do? And if you've paid attention to your student part of you that transition could be slightly maybe easier or it might be might still be heartbreaking or heart wrenching you know to to be facing that but it could be a, a fairly solid backup oh yes, absolutely no? and and yeah absolutely and as a student athlete you're i think you're doubly prepared for the world um i think i think you have more experience more background more that you can draw from than uh you know, I think even if you're just, let's say, just a regular student, uh, you know, who who has really good grades, you haven't faced the constant and continual adversity and opportunities that sports brings every day. And so, you know, as a student athlete, you're going to have the opportunities that everyone else has as a student to get educated, to learn, to fight through problems, to to be educated. Um, from an academic sense, but you're also going to have that extra stuff um, that most people don't get um, and, and that can pre- prepare you for life, make you a better uh, better job candidate once you get out there. And, and there's a lot of places, you know, enterprise car rental comes to mind. They love, you know, one of their main mission statements or purposes is to hire former athletes because they love what a former athlete, the intangibles that they can bring to the job. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I love it. All right, just a, a couple couple more things and we'll go. Um, I want to make sure everybody listening knows that we're talking to Jamie Beckler and that he is at Coach Beckler on Twitter, which is B-E-C-H-L-E-R. Um, I will put links to all of the podcasts, um, uh, to the podcast uh, website. I don't think I did that with the radio show, so I'll make sure I do that. That's successisachoicepodcast.com. Um, his book is The Leadership playbook and it's awesome it's become your team's most valuable leader and uh, just got great insight and great thoughts into it and i in the back of the book if you are listening and you are a list person um there are some great lists in the book um kind of like a quick reference and then you've got some um bookmarks too that you put out 
do you how do you come up how do you think about to to write some lists in the back of the book and what's the significance of that to you <laughs> I like lists um and I didn't want to make a whole book of lists but I like lists and I also wanted a few additional practical things that you didn't have to search for in the book. So, you know, I don't have to go looking through, you know, now what page was that on that I saw that or that idea. And so I wanted to put a bunch of things together. Um, They're not, you know, it's just a chapter on lists. So it's not a chapter on being a verbal leader, lists for being a verbal leader, lists for being a captain captain it, it's just various lists and so uh you know boost the confidence of your teammates uh nine strategies next play strategies next play is kind of bounce back or rebounding strategies how you come back from a failure uh 10 ways 10 things that every player can do uh, how to communicate better things that will differentiate yourself your leadership so there's lots of different things and and what i did as a coach and even what I'll do now when I work with the team is we'll just go through some of these and we'll, I mean, we'll spend an hour talking about these 10 things and, and using examples of, well, when, when did you see this happen on your team? When did you not see this happen? You know, if we do this on your team or if you do this as an athlete or as a student athlete or as a captain or a leader, how do you think this is going to look and how do you think your teammates are going to respond to that? And so we, we use these lists as starting points as well. So I was I was talking to um a coach in email today and I said congratulations on your on your season so far. Hi, da da da. It was nice to have you on a few weeks ago, blah blah blah. And the response was thank you, da 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 and he said, you know, we're managed to pull we're managing to pull out some wins, but we're not playing our best. I I wrote back, I'm like, I'm framing that. <laughs> I thought that was so interesting. Don't you think that's an interesting response? Yeah, and, and you know, especially early in the season, so like right now, if you're talking to a baseball coach or a softball coach in particular, you know, as their season is, is just now starting, most of them are probably going to say we're not playing our best because it's so early in the season and, and they haven't gotten their lineup set. They haven't – their players aren't peaking quite yet, you know. The good coaches want their teams to peak at the end of the season when it's tournament time uh, or during conference play. And so to start the year is not when the teams are normally peaking. But, uh, you know, you you certainly hope as a coach that you're able to squeak out some wins even when you're not playing well. Um, you know, if if all else is equal, you would definitely rather have wins than losses during those times you're not playing well. Yeah, I thought it was such a – I, I, in my head, I went all best ever you on it, you know, not specific to the like the, the time of the year and the programs and things like that. But, you know, I, I just thought about how if you think about that statement, how profound that is, like what's important. If you just back up out of all of it and just think about that statement and apply it to life in general, it's kind of a, it's, isn't that kind of a neat thing to say? Like if you apply that to just life in general. Um, I don't know. I just I thought that was so interesting because there's moments where you might be feeling like you're you're doing everything in the right motion, something's selling or something's doing this, but you're still not feeling your absolute best. Just a yeah, you're kind of an interesting right. concept. And and you know the reverse could also be true too. You you know just as easily a coach could write back to you or say. 
you know, we've been, we've been losing some tough ones. We've been, we haven't started off the way we want, but we're learning a lot and we're putting ourselves in a position to be better down the road. And I think that, you know, John Maxwell wrote a book a few years ago that said, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn, but it actually had the word lose or sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but the word lose was crossed off and they put learn, you know? And and so the best coaches look at it that way, that even though we might lose on the scoreboard, are we learning and are we making ourselves better for the next game or for next week or next month? And, and so, you know, when you're, when you're sticking to the best ever you principles, you know, you're always trying to be the best version of yourself. You're always trying to be better than you were yesterday, if possible. You know, you always want to try to learn something more. As, As we talked about at the start of the show, leaders are learners. And so what are you learning? And so this coach that, that responded back to you, you know, yeah, we're winning, we're not playing our best, but we're still winning. You know, even in those games that they're winning and not playing their best, that coach is probably trying to figure out, well, what are we learning from this? What, what are we learning about ourselves? What are we learning that we can take forward so that we can progress forward? Yeah, I just thought it was such a cool response. And he elaborated a little bit like that exactly. And um, I just, I run back, I'm like, I'm totally framing this because it's so best ever you, you know, you just in any moment, there's always something to learn. And I just, I just thought that was a cool response. And same thing too with another coach who's having more of a, of a experience where they're losing some games. Um, it was interesting. It's exactly what you just said. See, you've got all that coaching experience, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I love it. We all, all right, we all um, before same, we go. We all share this, we all share the same motivational speeches. We just pass them around. <laughs> love it do you um is there before we go is there anything um i didn't talk about your wife your wife sounds awesome tabitha hello <laughs> tabitha and you're in akron ohio i'm a creature of the midwest myself and that's a little bit uh, sort of midwest um uh, how uh, can people um reach you how, how would you prefer people to reach you um before we go do you want email do you like it when people reach out to you on twitter through your website what what's your favorite thing yeah you've already mentioned and and i appreciate that my twitter account at coach beckler and then my website is jamiebeckler.com or or coachbeckler.com if you can't remember how to spell jamie so uh coachbeckler.com uh twitter's coachbeckler and uh, my uh, email address, they can reach out to me that way as well. It's Jamie, J-A-M-Y, at CoachBeckler.com. And so, uh, yeah, that would be great if, if they wanted to pick up a book, if they just had a question, um, if something that we said here today, uh, 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 you know, gets their mind percolating a little bit and spurs some ideas, they might uh, want to get me to expand a little bit further on that so they can feel free to reach out. Keynote. Um, do you have? Is there anything that we didn't cover before we go that you that you wanted to mention? I know we've we've gone through a lot of information here, but is there anything that you want to talk about before we go? Uh, no, I don't think so. You you asked some great questions, and so uh, we covered we covered a lot, and uh, hopefully the the listeners got got one or two insights that can uh, that they can maybe gnaw on a little bit and, and uh, digest and, and uh, maybe make what they're doing a little bit better. And I imagine there might be some teams um, or coaches out there who want to order your book for the whole team. Is that possible, and what's the best way to go about that? Yeah, great question, Elizabeth. It, uh, if you go to theleadershipplaybook.com, uh, there's a link right at the bottom uh, that says bulk orders, or you can click on the coach tab. And there's also uh, a way to get 
bulk orders or team orders and and you you do get a discount i think i think the book is 15.99 on amazon or if you just buy one copy but but you get a significant discount if you buy more books as a team so yeah that uh that just click on the bulk the bulk order or the team sales uh tab perfect all right well i have really appreciated the time um that we've had with you today i appreciate your time and your energy and your insights into all things leadership and leadership development. I appreciate you caring so much about student athletes and our audience here at Best Ever You. Uh, we do have a younger audience a lot of times with shows like this. Um, they get passed around the high schools and the colleges, and even the middle school and elementary school kids listen to shows like this. I'm always surprised at who's listening. So I really appreciate all of your information that helps you know to help people be their best, and um, and parents too listening. Um, I think you've really given us some great information to be better parents of our student-athletes. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us, especially the overtime. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. It was it was a pleasure to join you. I know you have a great show, and, and so I, I was just honored to be part of it. Awesome. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You show. Um, that was the amazing Coach Jamie Beckler and um, all of his wisdom Please, uh, as as we do when we have our guests here on Best Ever Year, Best Ever You, we wrap our arms around them, we buy their books, we share the show, and do all these amazing things to help our guests out. So please go to Amazon um, or or to theleadershipplaybook.com for those group orders and get your copies of the Leadership Playbook. Become your team's most valuable leader because there's some great information in here. I've read this book cover to cover twice now. Um, and I had a lot of questions, too, as I was um, reading it, and it became a discussion um, at our kitchen table for dinner, too. So we, we actually brought, bought, sorry, not only bought, but brought the book to the kitchen table for dinner, and um, we're talking about it and flipping through it and looking at the bookmarks and the lists and everything. So really, really a great book if you've got um, – well, really anybody for leadership development. It's got a sports take on it, but also just those your student athletes. Uh, if you have a student athlete in your life of any age, I would just really highly recommend this book. So take care, everybody. Um, we're going to be back tomorrow um, at 2 p.m. Eastern time with actress Brianna Brown, a very good friend of mine for many, many years now, helped me um, sort of get my ducks in a row when I was starting Best Ever You and formulate some of my own ideas. Um, and she has a wonderful new book out, which we're going to talk about tomorrow. So she's an actress slash author now, and we're all proud of her. So actress Brianna Brown, you know her from Devious Maids and General Hospital and all these cool roles. Um, she usually plays somebody very mean on TV, and she's actually the sweetest human being alive. So I don't know where – we're going to ask her tomorrow where she draws on that <laughs> to get that from, so it's pretty funny. All right, lots of love, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to us here at Best Ever You, and um, take care and have a great day. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.